Father, we just thank you for this time in worship this morning. God, we thank you for your presence. God, we thank you for just joining us here. God, we ask you this morning, God, that as we continue in worship and hearing your word, God, that you'd speak to our hearts this morning. And God, we just say to you that you are a way maker. You are a miracle worker. You're a promise keeper. That's who you are. Father, we love you. We give this time to you. We pray that you would just have your way in us. Do what you need to do in us, Lord. Let us not leave this place unchanged. Jesus, we love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. My name is John Tealypap, and I'm the Director of Missions for the Parker Baptist Association. I'm glad to be able to be with you this morning in this service. The Parker Association is a cooperative effort of about 50 churches in Parker County, and together we do church planting and missions, and we work together for the health of leaders in our churches and for health in our churches. We strive to make an impact in our communities to expand the kingdom of God here in Parker County and wherever we have an opportunity to do so. We have partnerships in New York City. We have a partnership in Vancouver, British Columbia that, that I know this church is a part of. So I want to say thank you to you uh, for your participation in our cooperation and in our work. And part of my job is to answer the call for pastors uh, when they call and, and uh, they have a need. And so I'm happy to be able to fill in for Lee this morning. And in this, uh, this lull between Christmas and New Year, this is the Sunday that a lot of people dub as uh, National Associate Pastor Sunday. When I was a pastor, I always took this Sunday off. And now I find that, that it's the Sunday when I'm called upon. But I'm happy to do that. We're certainly praying for Lee and for his father and his family and I'm privileged to be able to stand in for him. I find when I come to a day like this, there are two kinds of people that I bump into. One is the kind of a family that uh, Christmas has come and the decorations are already down. They've taken them down, they've put them away, Christmas is over, it's time to plow into the new year. And then there is the rest of us who are still letting it linger a little longer. Our decorations are still up, uh, the lights may stay on through New Year. Maybe you have family coming in uh, to continue the celebration this week, and Christmas goes on a little bit longer. But at some point, it all comes to an end, doesn't it? And we have to pack it all up, and we put it away for another year. Several years ago, a Christian singer and songwriter Larnell Harris was doing just that. They had packed up their Christmas decorations and they were putting them up in the attic, and he was on the ladder reaching up into the attic, and his young son was helping him, holding the ladder and handing him some boxes, and they were singing a Christmas carol together, and then his son stopped singing, and he said, Daddy, do we put away Jesus too with Christmas? And Harris stopped for a moment, and then he talked to his son about that, and it turned to a, into a song, of course, as a songwriter, where he wrote about the temptation that we have of putting away Jesus with all of the decorations, celebrating the baby Jesus and, and worshiping him, but then wrapping him up with the decorations, putting him up in the attic, and just waiting to bring him back out again the next year. And he wrote a song where he talked about the fact that we have to worship him all year long. And so what I would like to think about this morning is the question of what do we do with Jesus in the new year? In this pause for reflection that we have 
between the celebration of the birth of Jesus and the, the recognition that the calendar turns over into a new year, what will we do now that Jesus is born? We have the baby in the manger, and, and all that is, is a wonderful celebration, but what do we do now with Jesus? What will Jesus do in your life in the coming year? And I want to read a story this morning of a man who figured out what to do with Jesus. It comes in Mark chapter 10, and I'll begin reading in verse 46 if you have a Bible and you want to follow along, or it will be on the screen. It's the story of a man by the name of Bartimaeus who lived in a little town called Jericho. Mark chapter 10 and beginning in verse 46, it says, They came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd, Bartimaeus, the son of, Tim of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the road. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many warned him to be quiet, but he was crying out all the more, have mercy on me, son of David. Jesus stopped and said, call him. So they called the blind man and said to him, have courage. Get up, he's calling for you. He threw off his coat, jumped up, and he came to Jesus. Then Jesus answered him, what do you want me to do for you? Rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has saved you. Immediately he could see, and he began to follow Jesus on the road. Well, this story comes at the end of, of chapter 10 in Mark, and it comes right before we have the story of Jesus going into Jerusalem in what we call the triumphal entry. And so in his version of, of events, Mark is moving Jesus rapidly on the way to Jerusalem. And there are a series of things that happen along the way that are important to this story because this story with Bartimaeus turns all the other stories upside down. There is an episode in which Jesus has a number of children that want to come and they, they try to touch him. They, they see him, they recognize him, and they, they try to touch him. And, and Jesus' disciples are trying to shoo these children away. For some reason, they had decided that they were sort of the road crew in Jesus' traveling salvation show, and they were managing him and managing access to him. And so they try to move the children out of the way. I guess they thought the children weren't really that important. And they weren't worth Jesus' time. And so the, script, the scripture says that they rebuked the children. And then it says that Jesus became indignant with the disciples. He was, he was really mad at them for shooing away the children. And he says, don't do that. Because anyone who wants to come into my kingdom has to come in like a little child. You see, it's tempting for us to think that, that what we do for Jesus becomes more important than who we are supposed to be in Jesus. And when we become more focused on what we are supposed to do rather than who we are supposed to be, then things get out of control and we become like the disciples and we start thinking, perhaps we should manage Jesus. We should supervise where his message goes. We should control access to him. And Jesus won't have any of it. Jesus won't be managed. 
And he wants us to understand that who we are, who we become, is more important than what we do for him. And it ought to flow out of who we are. All that we do should flow out of who, we become, who we've become. And so Jesus says that, that anyone who wants to come into the kingdom must come in like a child. And then there's a man that comes to Jesus in the next story. Mark calls him the rich young man or rich young ruler as we refer to him. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Jesus, I want to know how to inherit eternal life. And they have a conversation together. And this gentleman is very confident of himself. The things that he's done to, to fulfill the requirements to get eternal life. And I think what he's looking for is for Jesus to, just to give him some confirmation. Pat him on the head. Say, way to go. Yes, you've done a great job. But instead, Jesus says, you know, I, I realize you've done all this stuff, but there's one more thing you have to do. You need to go sell everything that you own give that away to the poor, and then come and follow me. And the scripture says that the man walked away dejected because he was very wealthy, and he just couldn't bring himself to do that. And that prompted a conversation between Jesus and his disciples about the concept of wealth. And, and Jesus just said to them, it's, it's easier for, the cam- for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich man to get into heaven. I think he's speaking there of of the temptation to think that Jesus is satisfied when we just show up. We show up and we we check off the list. We say, okay, we've done these things. And Jesus looks it over and he gives us a nod of approval. He may give us a, a smack on the back and say, way to go. You've done a good job. But, but Jesus makes it clear that if we have anything else that means more to us than him, then we really can't know the kingdom. We really can't live in the kingdom. And there's nothing that we can have or own, possess, be attached to, that we are more dependent upon than Jesus. And then two of Jesus' own disciples, James and John, they come to him one day and they say, Jesus, we, we've got something that we, we want you to do for us. So Jesus says, well, well, what is that? What do you want me to do for you? And they say, well, when you come into glory, when you come into your kingdom, we would like to sit on the right hand and the left hand. Now, you know what they're doing. They're trying to get their order in before the rest of the disciples do. Hey, you know, give us the choice places. And they try to sneak in before the other disciples are able to do that. And it creates some dissension when the other disciples find out. And Jesus explains to James and John, you really don't know what you're asking for. Because when I come into the kingdom, it's going to involve a lot of suffering. And it's going to involve dying. And it's not exactly what you think it's going to be. This is not just about power and authority, as James and John thought it might be. And Jesus even says to them that if you want to be great in the kingdom, then you'll have to become a servant of all. He says in the same way that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
And so he, he speaks to the temptation that we think following Jesus earns us some kind of leverage, some kind of, of power. And clearly, Jesus had all the power and he had all of the authority. It's just that he chose not to use it for himself. He chose to use it for the benefit of others. And so he's trying to help James and John understand, you don't know really what you're asking for. They are asking for something that is self-promoting. But following Jesus involves being a servant. If you want to be great, you have to be a servant in God's economy. If you want to be first, you have to be last. You gain your life by losing it. You earn by giving up. God thinks differently than we do. And so all of that sets up the story with Bartimaeus. So they find themselves in Jericho, and Jesus has made his way through Jericho. He's on his way to Jerusalem. It's about the same distance as Alito is to, to downtown Fort Worth. This is the last part of his journey. And the next story that Mark will tell is of the, the triumphant entry that Jesus makes into Jerusalem. And so it says that he's walking through with his disciples and, and a large crowd. You know, anything exciting gathers a, a large crowd. People who, who want to be part of the excitement, who want to be part of the event. And, and some people are following Jesus, it seems, just for the show, because when they get to Jerusalem and things get really touchy, then we find out that, that, uh, that the crowd is not always going to be there for Jesus. But now there's, there's a crowd of people. They're making a lot of noise. They're, they're moving out of Jerusalem along the road. There's a man sitting on the side of the road by the name of Bartimaeus, and, and Mark tells us that he is a, a blind beggar. I don't know how long Bartimaeus had been blind. Maybe he had been blind since birth. Maybe for all of his life, he's had to sit alongside the road and, and beg for people to provide for him. He is dependent upon the kindness of others. He knows what it's like to have people be kind to him. He knows what it's like for people to reject him. And so he's sitting alongside the road and somehow he hears that it's Jesus that is the cause of all the noise that's going by him. And he must have heard about Jesus. Maybe he's been around and he's heard Jesus do some teaching. Maybe he's heard when Jesus was doing some healing. And for whatever reason, whatever cause, he knows that this is his opportunity. He knows that Jesus can do for him what nobody else has ever been able to do. He can heal him. So he calls out to him, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the crowd tells him to be quiet. Hey, hey, shut up. Don't bother Jesus. Because you see, they think he's a distraction to Jesus. Jesus is, is busy. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's got important things to do. He's got... He's got people to, to mingle with. He has disciples to teach. He has sermons to prepare and preach. He's got difficult Messiah business to do. He doesn't have time for you. And they, they think that Bartimaeus is a distraction. So they tell him to be quiet. Well, Bartimaeus is determined. 
He knows this is his opportunity. He knows Jesus can help him. So he calls out all the more, Jesus, have mercy on me. Hey, be quiet. He keeps calling. And finally, Jesus says, call him. You see, the, the crucial point here is that, that Bartimaeus was not a distraction. Everybody else around Jesus is trying to, to manage Jesus' time, his attention. They think that, that Jesus doesn't want to mess with Bartimaeus, but, but Bartimaeus wasn't a distraction. He's the point. Bartimaeus is the point. He's the reason that Jesus came. Jesus himself said so. In Matthew chapter 11, the disciples of John the Baptist come and they, they say to Jesus, look, John's asking us to come and, and find out, are you really the one that we've waited for? Or should we wait for somebody else? And Jesus said, well, just go back and tell John what you hear and what you see. The blind receive their sight. The lame walk. Those with leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor are told the good news. You see, people like Bartimaeus are the point. They're the demonstration of God's kingdom breaking into earth. Everything that God is doing in heaven, he, can, he is now doing in earth through Jesus Christ. It's the demonstration of why Jesus came. Bartimaeus it's not a distraction. He's, he's the point. You see, people who get the kingdom are the people who come to Jesus in faith because they have nothing else to lose. Bartimaeus had nothing else. The rich young ruler, he had a whole lot. He had a lot to give up. He couldn't place his faith in Jesus. He was holding on. James and John... They're looking for leverage. They're looking to leverage their relationship with Jesus into some kind of position of power and authority. The disciples are, are seeing themselves in, a, in kind of a self-important way. Bartimaeus, he, he just wanted to see. All he had was faith. You see, people who get the kingdom are people who have nothing to lose. All they'll do is place their faith in Jesus. And so, so Jesus calls Bartimaeus over. And, and somebody says to Bartimaeus, hey, have courage. Get up. He's calling you. That phrase, have courage, it really means, hey, this is your lucky day. Jesus is calling you. So he goes over to Jesus, and, and Jesus asks Bartimaeus the same question that he asked James and John. What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus didn't hesitate. He said, I want to see. Now, he had options, right? He had options. He could have, he could have asked, given a safe answer because he was asking for a lot. He may have thought, I don't want to be disappointed. There have been other doctors who said that they could heal me and they cost me money and I've always been disappointed. So he may have been tempted to ask for less. He may have said, you know, what I would really like is enough money that I don't have to come out here and beg anymore. So if you could somehow create a trust fund 
or some kind of, of way for me to not have to come and beg, I would really love that. He could have asked for that. Or maybe he could have just asked, you know, Jesus, if, if you could just tell all these people to be nicer to me, if you just tell them that I'm not a bad guy and that they could just be helpful to me and they could be nice to me, I would really love that. But he didn't ask for anything like that. He went for it all. He was all in. He said, I want to see because he believed that Jesus could make him see. You see, when James and John came to Jesus and Jesus said to them, what do you want me to do for you? Their answer was, was self-promoting. And it was so much less than what Jesus could do for them. And isn't that the way we are sometimes? We, we want to settle for less. We don't want to be all in with faith. We don't want too much attachment and so we just we just go for for less but but not Bartimaeus Bartimaeus believed that he could see he said I, I want to see I want it all and Jesus healed him because of his faith you know it may be today that you think your life is a distraction to Jesus Maybe, as was being said earlier, you know, this year hasn't been all that great for you. Maybe, maybe you're thinking that, that the problems that you're encountering, though, are not really that important to God. You don't want to bother him with that. Maybe you're thinking that, that God doesn't really have time for you, or he doesn't see you, or he, doesn't, he just doesn't need to be distracted by you. I want to tell you today, you are not a distraction. You are the point of why Jesus came. And I want you to know today that he hears you and he sees you. And all he wants from you is to believe in him and to trust him and to follow him. You see, at some point in our lives, we are all the blind beggar sitting upon the side of a dusty road reaching out for hope and calling for mercy. And I want you to know Jesus sees you and he hears you. And he just wants, he's, wants to call you to himself. He's saying, come here. What can I do for you? And if you'll ask him, he'll give it because he loves you. Bartimaeus knew that Jesus heard him that he loved him. But then look at what Bartimaeus does after Jesus hears him, heals him. It says that, that Bartimaeus followed him along the road. What, what the rich young man couldn't do, Bartimaeus did. You know, the rich young man, he couldn't give up what he had. He was too attached to something back here. He, he was too dependent upon the things that he owned. And, and Bartimaeus, he has nothing to lose. You see, people with that kind of faith are going to follow Jesus. And you see, the people who will follow him are the people who know that there really is nothing to lose, to be faithful to him. 
And so I'm asking you today, what do you want Jesus to do for you in the new year? What will you do with the baby Jesus who is now the King of Kings, Lord of Lords? We, we've sang songs about him. You may have gone to a Christmas play where they, they have the baby Jesus in the manger. You may have, have read the stories about the wise men going to Herod and saying, where is the one who is born the king of the Jews? And you may have, have even sung about him being the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And we have done all of that. But my question is, what will we do now? What will we do in the next year that makes Jesus the king of our lives? What needs to be done in your life? You know, it's tempting to be safe. It's tempting to try to, to manage what Jesus wants to do in my life. And say, you know, Jesus, you, you handle this part over here, and I'll take care of this. You know, just, just don't, don't bother with this. Take care of this over here. Jesus won't have any of that. He won't be managed. It's tempting for us to be safe and kind of create a checklist and say, okay, Jesus, I'll do these things. I'll check them off every week or every month. And if you'll just give me a good, that a boy, that's great, then I'll be happy with that. It's tempting for us to just want to show up and think that Jesus is happy with that. But what Jesus wants for us is to follow him, to let him really be the king of our lives. And so where does he need to be the king of your life this year? Maybe, maybe it's in your job. Maybe something is going on there and uh, maybe you have a bad attitude about your job or maybe you have bad relationships in your job or maybe you're just kind of drifting along or maybe it's overwhelming for you and you feel like you're drowning or maybe it's really going well and you're just depending all on that. And Jesus is wanting to be king of your life in that area of your life this year. Can you let him be king? Maybe it's in your free time. Maybe your free time is what brings problems to your life or maybe it's distracting for you or maybe it's keeping you from being the person or doing the service that Christ is calling you to do and Jesus is saying to you, I want to be king over that part of your life this year. Can you let him do that? Or maybe it's in your home. Jesus is saying, I want to be king over that area of your life today. Or maybe it's not a place or a position. Maybe it's just a part of us. Maybe Jesus is saying, I want to be the king over your attitude this year. Or I want to be the king over the future decisions that you're making. I want to be the one that you look to with faith where you don't depend on anyone else. And I want to tell you that if we will do that, then Jesus will do for us what no one else can do. You know, the great story, great thing about Bartimaeus' story is that, that unlike all the other people that, that preceded him in, in this chapter that Mark writes along of Jesus' journey, Bartimaeus is the only one that really placed his whole faith in Jesus. The disciples couldn't do it. They weren't ready to. The rich young ruler couldn't do it. The crowd can't do it. 
they're all, they're all reaching out and grasping for, for a little bit of Jesus. Bartimaeus, he's all in. And you know, the only people that really get the kingdom are the people who are all in. Because you see, the definition of the kingdom is it's wherever King Jesus gets his way. So where does Jesus need to get his way in your life this year? Would you let him be king? Let's pray together. God, we thank you for all the good and all the bad, all that we can celebrate and all that challenged us of this previous year. We thank you for the glory of the manger the incarnation, when you became like us so that we could become like you. As we stand at the edge of a new year and we we reach out into that future, I pray that you will work in our hearts today to help us make Jesus the king of every area of our lives. Help us to act in faith. Help us to reach for that mercy and that hope that you have for us. Help us to have the spirit of Bartimaeus that we know that no one else can do for us what you can do. Father, I pray that you will take us into this new year, that we will meet every challenge, we will meet every opportunity, that we will grow in you, that you will give us purpose, you will give us clarity of how we can serve you and that we will become all you want us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Have our ushers come forward this morning.